Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Open your Bible with me to John chapter 1 as we continue in our series titled The Exalted Christ. And we hope you're following along with us. And if you happen to miss Sunday, we hope you go to the website and listen to the message so that we can all be in step together as we're learning from God's Word. Today we're going to be learning about what makes the exalted Christ so important to every single person in this room and actually every single person in the world. As we walk through just the first chapter of the book of John, we've learned that Christ, the exalted Christ, is the eternal word. Last week, we learned that the exalted Christ was also God-made flesh, and we know that that's, that's talking about Jesus. And today, we're talking about why is Jesus so important? A lot of people know Jesus in a historical sense. A lot of people know that he was a major uh, part of the, the historical landscape of time. But why is he vitally important to you and me? Why do we desperately need him more and more? And so we're going we're gonna to drill down on just, uh, I don't know, 10 or 20 verses, uh, actually 15 verses, and really learn why the exalted Christ is so important to us. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. John chapter 1, we're picking up at verse 19, and it says, Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now look at me for a moment. Okay. He answered them no, but the answer was actually yes. And he did say yes. But he was speaking to something about them. He was saying, you guys are not really interested in who I am and what I have to say. You guys are coming here as skeptics. You guys have, are coming here as naysayers. And because of that, he said no and no. But then he stepped up and said, guess what? I am the voice that was prophesied about that the coming of the Lord was on his way. Make straight the way for the Lord. John the Baptist was the one who broke 400 years of silence. There was a period between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's called the intertestamental years. And there were 400 years of silence. And now the voice of God is coming back. And the way the voice of, comes, uh, of God comes back is that God sends someone to testify about the coming of the Lord, and that's who John the Baptist was. And, and can I say that we too are called to testify and talk about who God is, and we are, we are called to testify and say the Lord is here. How many would say amen with me today? That is our job as Christians. We're called to do that, so let's keep going here. It says, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's keep going. Amen. 
This is the one I meant when I said, uh, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me, speaking of the eternal word. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. And so this is a, this is a very profound passage of scripture. The, the, the silence is being broken by the witness. And if I could say, you know what testifying is, right? Testifying is you walking into your life and into your circle of influence and you breaking the spiritual silence in people's lives because there are people who are surrounded by lots of noise, but when it comes to the word of the Lord, they live in silence. And we are called to testify just like John the Baptist. Can I get an amen? We're supposed to tell people that the chosen one is here. The chosen one has come. But today what we're going to talk about is why the chosen one is so important and why we all desperately need him. And the reason is that he was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the title of the message today is The Sacrificial Lamb. Because everyone needs the sacrificial lamb. The sacrificial lamb was the one who bridged the gap between heaven and earth. The sacrificial lamb was the one that made salvation possible for all of us. Without the sacrificial lamb, there would be no way to get to heaven because no one is righteous, not even one. No one can earn their way to God. Everyone needs the sacrificial lamb. And today, we're going to be talking about, uh, about this lamb. And I want to just pray for a moment that the Lord would help us to receive today. You see, a lot of, we're going to take communion in a moment. And a lot of people know this in a kind of heady kind of way. But communion is supposed to be something really powerful. Okay. Communion, and I know this from personal experience. When I was young, I was part of a faith that they took communion every week. And every time I went to church, uh, uh, I would, it was uh, maybe an hour long or 45 minutes. And I remember being a kid and going there. And then at a certain point when communion came, I would try to stir up these, these religious feelings. And then I would go like this. Take communion, do whatever. Actually, sometimes get serious with God for a moment. And then as soon as I got up, I left, I would just leave. Like it didn't matter. But brothers and sisters, it does matter. Okay, and it is powerful. So let's pray just for a moment that God, look, you've come here, right? You've come here. We've got, we've got 40 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it is. Let's open up our hearts and ask God to speak to us. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time in your word. And we ask for you to speak. Spirit of the living God, would you speak? Your people are listening. I pray, Father, for, for every mind and every heart. I pray even for someone who's, who doesn't know you personally. I pray for someone who's skeptical or who's hurting. God, may your spirit speak today. And may the value of the Lamb be revealed, and may the love of the Lamb be revealed. I trust you, we trust you to do this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Now, as John the Baptist was talking about the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he was actually referring to something that was very historical 
uh, um, in its significance. And the, the, is, the, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, when he said the Lamb of God, they understood it because it was going way back into their history. So the Lamb of God, uh, first of all, in the book of Exodus, if you could put that up, it was a Passover lamb. Anyone who who's saw the Ten Commandments or the Prince of Egypt, uh, um, you know that there is a one of the, the key scenes of the entire story is, is when the, the, the people of Israel, they take lambs and they, they, they slit their throats and they get their blood and they put it over the doorposts. And God said, wherever I see the blood, I will pass over. And so he passes over them, and that was a type of Christ. That was an arrow pointing to, to the fact that one day the true Passover lamb would come, and Jesus was that Passover lamb. And then, and then further on in Exodus and in Leviticus, there are many. These are just a couple of references for if you want to look. But in the book of Exodus and in the book of Leviticus, there are all of these uh, um, sacrifices that were prescribed by God, and those Sacrifices were the way to worship God and to make peace with God and to be right with God. And so, so there was not just the actual Passover lamb when they celebrated Passover, but there were many sacrificial lambs. And then further on in the history, Jeremiah and Isaiah, they, they uh, described him. He was the prophetic lamb, Jeremiah said, and he was like a gentle lamb. This was a prophecy. It didn't take place yet, but he said he was like a gentle lamb who would be led to the slaughter. All of that was talking about Jesus. And now what we're reading is the day, the moment in time when it was announced, there he is. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so there was a great fulfillment in the exalted Christ. The exalted Christ was fulfilling all of these verses that talked about the sacrificial lamb. And as we go to, I just want to make a, a couple of points about this today. But as we make our way toward unpacking why he's so important is, do you know why he's so important? The reason the blood, the, the lamb is so important is because of his blood. Everyone say blood. Yes. And the blood of the lamb is important because it is filled with life. It's because it's filled with life. Listen very carefully. Back in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 17 says it this way. For the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. There is a powerful connection between blood and life, both physical and spiritual. A couple years ago, Pastor Dave and I, went to an area where they, uh, it was like a, a butcher shop, but they actually slaughtered lambs in the back. And uh, um, it was a very unassuming building, and I remember driving up, and for some reason I thought it should look differently, but it was an unassuming, just a regular brick building, and we went in, and the lambs were corralled in one section, and then the guys who, you know, would slaughter the animals and then prepare them, to, to end up becoming food for us, uh, um, what they would do is they would hang the lamb upside down and then they would slit the lamb's, la the, the lamb's throat. And then, and then the blood, they had a drain there and the blood would rush out. I mean, it was an incredible, I can't tell you, it was so sobering. And the lamb would, would shake and tremble and then all of a sudden, they would stop moving. You see? Because as the blood left the body, so the life left also. No blood, no life. And so blood is precious. How many would agree your blood is precious? Your blood is precious to you. My blood is precious to me because no blood, no life. 
Well, we're talk, what we're talking about is the blood of the Son of God who came to give his life, the sacrificial lamb, so that we could have life. So that we could have eternal life. It's a very powerful thing to watch. But we're not talking about just animals. We're actually talking about the son of the most high God. It's an incredible thing to think about the fact that God said, I'm going to send my son. Now there's two things that every Christian, actually every person, should know about the blood of Jesus. And I want to take the next few moments to outline those. The first is this. The blood of the lamb is price paying. The blood of the lamb is price paying. God gave the blood of his son to make atonement for all of our sin. The price and cost of sin is life, but God said, I won't charge them their lives. I'll charge my son his life. You see? Why the blood of the lamb? Because that blood was the only blood that could pay the price for our sin. We couldn't do it because we were sinful. So, so someone innocent had to come along. What you have to recognize is, and here's, let me tell you something. When I looked at the faces of those lambs, it was crushing. It was crushing to watch their faces. They were innocent. You see, and they were giving their lives for us. No one was more innocent than Jesus. Jesus was more innocent than a baby. Jesus was more innocent than an unsuspecting victim. Jesus was the epitome of innocence. He was as pure as pure could be. He was as loving, as kind, as gentle, as compassionate, as perfect as perfection could be. And yet he came and he gave his life because he said, though your sins be as scarlet, I will pay with my own life so that there will be white as snow so that the price would be paid. Hallelujah. The blood of the lamb is a, it is a price paying blood and it is a very powerful thing. Do you know this is all throughout the Bible? In the garden when Adam and Eve fell, think about this. When Adam and Eve fell, they recognized that they were naked. And then after they recognized that they were naked, the Lord had some animals slaughtered. The blood was shed and then they were covered with the clothing of those animals. You know how your sin and my sin, how is it covered? It's by the blood. Further on in biblical history, Abraham was told by the father, take your son and offer him up to me. And then when he got there, when he put him on the altar, then God said, and this was a lesson to us. This was a prophecy. This was an example to us. God said to him, don't kill him. And he provided a lamb, and then that lamb was slain, and then the son was spared. You see, that's what happened in Exodus. A lamb was slain, and families and a whole generation was spared of loss of life because the blood paid the price. And we need to recognize how important this issue is. The blood of Christ justifies us. It is his innocent blood that makes us right before God. Now, I want to kind of take a moment and talk about this kind of in a, in a very cultural way. Let's talk about what, what people say about this in society for a minute. Uh, I want to put up a quote by the, the prophet Muhammad. This is in the Quran. In the Quran, it says, if all, if Allah took mankind to task by that which they deserve, he would not live, leave a living creature on the surface of the earth. Okay? If Allah took mankind to task by that which they deserve, he would not leave a living creature on the surface 
of the earth. What he was saying, which is true, what he was saying is, if God is not merciful, if God is not merciful, then who could stand? If we get what we deserve, then everyone is wiped out. Here's the problem. By the way, I'm not coming at any religion. I'm, I'm talking, let's have a conversation. You see, about the issues that really concern us and our children and our children's children, about the issues that concern eternity. So here's the problem with this. That is true. But the problem with Islam is that it doesn't show, it doesn't reveal who pays the price for sin. It doesn't address it. And so then even fanaticism, even what drives the mind of a terrorist, it makes sense. Because since it's arbitrary, no one knows, then people are fanatically trying to please, quote, God. They do whatever they can to outshine the others. The more radical, the more fanatical, the more possibility of being accepted by the God in heaven. There is a universal pursuit of being accepted by the God of heaven, but everyone understands that somebody's got to pay the price. So who pays the price? That is a gigantic question. By the way, when you're talking about different religions and different philosophies, that's a great question to ask. Here, let me put it to you another way. So one of our staff members was in Tibet, in the mountains of Tibet, talking to a young girl about 15 years old. And you know what the young girl said? She's a Buddhist. And what she said was, what did you do in your past life that you would be allowed to be born in America, in a place that is so blessed? She was saying, what do I have to do because I don't like where I live, I don't like how I live, and I want to be blessed like you, like you are in America. And so, so they were saying, no, you, don't, you, you can be blessed, and there's a place that's way better than America. It is glory, it's heaven, and, and, and this made a, a way has been made for you, and you can accept Jesus and say, no, I have to be born after I die, I have to be born in America because only if I'm an American can I become a Christian. You see, think about this. Think about what Buddhism says. Think about what karma is all about. It's like, wait a second, everyone is trying to do good. If you do good, according to, to Buddhism, if you do good, then in your next life, it doesn't mean you're good enough. It means that you have a number of lives before you get there. Well, you get elevated in life. Okay, but if you don't do good, you get demoted in your next life. This, this is the teaching. This is what people are basing their existence on, their hope. They say, wait, no, wait a second. All right, so then, so then they were playing with some of the kids, and some of the kids kept running up to a line and going, oh, snap. And they would run back, right, these, these little Buddhist children. And, and, uh, and finally, the Americans were saying, why do you stop over here? They said, those flowers could be our ancestors. We don't want to step on them. You see? So try and try and try and maybe, maybe in the next life, maybe in the next life. But I praise God because there's a story. When Jesus was on the cross, there were two thieves right next to him. And one of those thieves, he said, would you remember me? I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I am paying the price for your sin. Nothing like the cause, nothing like the gospel. There's nothing like it. Nothing deals with the, more, the most difficult issues and nothing is more beautiful at the same time. Nothing is more logical than the amazing gospel, the story of Jesus, than the life of the sacrificial lamb. This is such a such a powerful thing. Can I tell you one more? When I was a kid, about 14 years old, this guy, a man, very sophisticated, 
looking man. He and his wife, they moved into one of the brownstones on our block. And uh, he was a southern gentleman. And I don't know how this happened. I ended up getting a job. I think, you know, you know, in Brooklyn, you got to hustle. So probably when they were moving in, I just started picking up boxes and moving them in the house. See if I could get a, like a 10 spot maybe or a 5 spot. It's hard times in the city. You got to hustle. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I don't know exactly how it unfolded, but, but I made kind of friends. He took a liking to me and he gave me a job. And um, I remember him saying to me, I remember him saying to me, you know, because I started to get interested in, in, in religion and philosoph asking philosophical questions. And I remember him saying to me, you know, Al, there's no way it has to be. He said, you got a girlfriend? Sleep with your girlfriend. It's fine. Just don't be scandalous. You know, if you want to do this, do it. Don't hurt people, but just do whatever you want. Don't, don't let anybody tell you how to live. And he, he would just, now this guy was a name dropper. He had a public relations firm. And I remember once there was an article in Time Magazine, something with catfish. He's like, we got this picture and we got this in here. And he was all happy. So this guy was like, he knew people. He was so, you know, had degrees, very intelligent guy. I'm like a 14-year-old kid, 15, listening to him. Right? And... It was interesting because part of my job, take out the garbage, do this, but part of my job was also answer the phone. And I remember answering the phone. And I would pick up the phone and, you know, take messages. But very often I would pick up the phone and someone was livid, irate, saying, you tell him I need him to pay the bill. I need my money. I'm tired of calling. And I mean, people were going off. I was like, oh, snap. And then all of a sudden, I remember, you know, he was just gone. Moved out, packed up, shipped out. I don't know exactly why. But, you know, sometimes people could say there's no way it has to be. But how many know? There is a way that it has to be. Because somebody has to pay the bill. Somebody has to pay the bill, okay? You can't live just however you want to live. Somebody has to pay the bill. Never, ever, ever forget that Jesus stepped up and paid your bill for all of eternity. Could we give him glory and praise just for a moment? Hallelujah. That's how I became a Christian, thinking about all of these things. Trying to figure all of this out. Now, the second thing that this teaches us is that the blood of the Lamb was not only price paying, but also guilt lifting. It's a twofold work, very profound. It says the next day, John saw him coming toward him. He said, Look, the Lamb of God, let's read this together. What's underlined? Ready? Who takes away the sin of the world. Takes it away. The blood takes away the sins of the world. You know what takes away means? It means to remove something concrete. As by lifting or carrying off, it gives the image of something weighty holding someone down. You see, it lifts the guilt. Guilt may not be something physical, but it does hold people down. Guilt is a very powerful thing, and it impacts many, many lives. When a person feels guilty... It has such a profound impact on their life. And you know, I was, I was studying this and, and uh, looking in a, a dictionary uh, of word origins. And, and I found out that in German, the word for guilt 
and debt are the same word. In other words, guilt is a deep awareness of debt. Look at how Chaucer put this. This is really powerful. Chaucer said, the guilty think all talk is of themselves. What that means is when someone is guilty, when they really feel guilty, they, they see conversations around them and they feel like, oh, snap, that's about me. A lot of people live that way. A lot of people try to ignore, they try to throw it off. But guess what? When guilt is dealing and addressing and weighing you down, it hinders your life. So crazy is this truth. On the cover of Sports Illustrated this week, they have Dwight Howard, basketball's former Superman. How many know who Dwight Howard is? Can I see? Oh, snap. All right, this dude is big and bad. For all of you who don't know him. And many, many years ago, when, um, when uh, he got you know, drafted, he went straight from high school into the NBA. He was a, 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 a strong professing Christian. And one of the things that he said was, man, I'm going to serve God and bring him so much glory, they're going to have to put a cross on the logo of the NBA. He actually said that. Well, anyway, got into the NBA. People started to pressure him and people started to make fun of him. And he started to get away from God. And he got a woman pregnant out of wedlock. And then he started to feel so much shame. He just pulled completely away from the church and it just turned his whole life upside down and and he couldn't he couldn't get free of his guilt and his shame and as his and his as his guilt the article talks about this that his guilt had such an impact on him that his the numbers of his career they just crashed how many people are like Dwight Howard they're so gifted so capable but the problem is is they're not free because they're guilt ridden, they're laden down by the weights of, of, of sin and, and of other things that happen. And so even now they're saying, you know, part of what I think about is I think about what Dwight should have done and what Dwight could have done. You know what Dwight could have done? Dwight could have gone right to the Lord. He could have, I, I, I wish there was a church who would have grabbed hold of him and said, and this is why we need to testify because there are people around us that are riddled by guilt and we need to grab hold of them and said, listen, the blood of Jesus paid the price. The blood of Jesus will lift the guilty stain. Hallelujah. It lifts the burden. If you take communion correctly, you know what's supposed to happen. The burden of guilt should be lifted. Before we take communion, I want to tell you one more quick thing that I've, I've seen this over the years. Number of, a number of years ago when we first started our church, young lady came to our church, young woman, professional. She sat in meetings was weeping, you know. We always pray, Lord, when people walk through the doors, let them feel your love. And Lord, minister to them. A lot of times people sit in services and they're like this. I'm like, cool, Lord. Something's going on between you and them. The Holy Spirit is dealing with them. We're here to love on you and to encourage you. To tell you worthy is the lamb because he paid the price and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That is the work of Jesus. That's what the sacrificial lamb is all about. We love to watch this. So anyway, this young lady was going through that. She would sat for a couple months, would just weep. And, and then finally she made a, an appointment with me and, and uh, we started talking. And then at a certain point she started to share about some choices that she made that hurt her deeply and that she felt so guilty about. And at a certain point, she began to weep so loud. She started, it, she was wailing, you know, because that was her pain. 
And uh, let, let's say the, the, my office was over here and the front door was like over there. I'm telling you, you could hear it at the front door. And, and after she just calmed down a bit, I said to her, my sister, my sister, I want you to know something. Number one, you are forgiven. And number two, you are clean. You are as pure as pure can be. Guess why? Because you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. How many are thankful for that powerful blood? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so here's what happened to her life. It was amazing. She went from someone who was moving almost as if she were like on crutches to like, to like being on rollerblades. All of a sudden, her life started to fly. She started to date someone. She, she ended up getting married. Like all of this stuff started to happen because you know what? God had put all this stuff inside of her, but she wasn't carrying the weight anymore. She wasn't ignoring it. She wasn't denying it. She came into his presence, and she let the blood of Jesus lift it. And brothers and sisters, today, that sister is in ministry, in full-time ministry, with her husband, doing great things for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. It's nothing, nothing like the blood of Jesus. That's why we sing worthy is the Lamb. So here's what we're going to do. You know, I did this, I, this is my second time coming down too fast. I want to talk to you back from, and then I'll come back down. We're going to take communion now. And they're going to come and they're going to pass out the cup and the bread and we want you to take it and hold it. But I need to speak to a very important issue. There are two ways that you can take communion in a way that is inappropriate and wrong. The first way, please, regardless of the traffic, I want everyone to listen to me. The first way is this. When we take communion... This is an outward expression that God really blesses, but it reflects an inward reality. To take the body and the blood is physically, it's like you're receiving Christ. You see, now spiritually, before you do it physically, it's important to do it spiritually, which means there comes a moment in time when you say to Jesus, Jesus, you were the sacrificial lamb. You gave your life for the sins of this world. But today I want to personalize it. Today I want you to be my personal savior. I want you to be my Lord. Today I open up my heart and I invite you in to be my Lord and my savior. That is the spiritual transaction that takes place. How does someone become a Christian? They ask Jesus into their heart and they say, be my Lord and my savior. That's the way it's done. A moment in time. Not that you went to church when you're little, that your parents took you. No. A moment in time when you started a relationship with the sacrificial lamb. And I wonder if there's anyone here today who would say, I want to start that relationship. Now, uh, everyone close your eyes. Let's get into our hearts with the Lord. And while everyone is just meditating because we're going to get ready to take communion, I wonder if there's anyone here who would say, Pastor Toledo, I've known about Jesus. I've even gone to church, but I've never asked him into my heart. I've never, I've never asked him to be my personal Lord and Savior. And I want to start that relationship with him today. Today I want to know that I know that that blood that was shed was shed upon my life and that I'm free because he paid the price and the guilt has been removed. And if that's you today and you would start, like to start a relationship, it's as simple as asking him. It's as simple as saying a prayer. And I would love to lead you in that prayer. So if you would want to uh, uh, open your heart to Jesus today, would you raise your hand if you want to start a relationship with Jesus today? Thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up all over the building. I want to wait one more moment. Just keep your eyes closed, but let the hands go up. Anyone that wants to start a relationship with Jesus, 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ushers, you could see those hands. Okay, you could put your hands down now. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And we're going to support those who are going to pray this prayer for the first time. So everyone repeat after me. Lord Jesus. I thank you for this day. Where I could learn that you were the sacrificial lamb. Thank you for coming to the earth. Thank you for living a sinless life. And thank you for paying the price for my sin. Forgive me, Lord, for all of my sin and all of my offenses. Wash my heart clean of all the guilt and the shame. I invite you to come and sit on the throne of my heart. And I ask you to become my Lord and my master, my savior and my friend. Thank you for receiving me even as I receive you. Amen and amen. Could we just praise God for a minute and give him glory. Hallelujah. There would be more clapping, but we're holding the emblems. But let me tell you something. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, the angels in heaven are clapping and rejoicing because the Bible says anytime just one person surrenders their life to Christ as Lord and Savior, all of the angels of heaven rejoice. You are a child of the living God. The bridge has been opened. Eternity is secure and the peace has been purchased. And we praise God that you belong to him and no one can change that because of what you've just done. Could we say amen and hallelujah to the, to the living God? Blessed be your name, oh God. And all of you who raised your hand, we want to make sure that you get a new believer's uh, box. We have a gift for you. It has a Bible in it and a note and a couple things. And so if by the, as you're wait, making your way out, if you gave your life to Christ just now and and uh, you didn't get one of those gift boxes, just ask one of the ushers and they'll give it to you. If you have a moment to fill out the card, we would really appreciate it. We just want to reach out to you and, and connect with you a little bit about this amazing decision that you've made. Now, here's the second and very important way not to take communion as we get ready. And we'll, we'll, we're, we'll take it briefly. When you take communion, you understand that because of what Jesus did, Jesus made it fair for you and I to be forgiven. And Jesus also made it right for us to forgive other people. When you take communion, you prepare your heart and as you take the bread and as you take the cup, part of what you're saying is, Lord, there's some things that I want you to clean out of my life and today I turn my back to that behavior. So if I used in the first service just as an example. So let's say that you're, you've been gossiping a lot. I know no one in this room ever, but, you know. But let's say you have been gossiping. Let's say you've been backbiting and, and being a backstabber, people talking about people when you're not, when, when they're not in your presence, being hypocritical. What you say is, Jesus, forgive me for that. And Jesus, I'm coming today, even though I don't deserve it, I thank you, Lord that your mercies are new every morning. And today I want you to wash my heart. But Lord, as I ask you to wash my heart, I'm also asking you to give me power, God, because I'm turning away from that because I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live differently. Today you might be here and you've been 
flirting with someone that you should not be flirting with. Okay? You've been flirting with some issue that you should not be flirting with. And you know it's grievous to God. You know that that behavior, it, it, it hurts the heart of God. And today you're saying, Lord, wash me. I'm giving my back to that. That's what repentance means. I'm walking away from it. The Bible says, let him who steal, steal no more. You've been taking something that you shouldn't take. See, so whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit is dealing with you on, when you take communion, you are accepting the cleansing, but you're also saying, God, I'm asking you for power so that I could walk away from that behavior. You see, what did he say to the woman caught in adultery? He said, go and sin no more. Who condemns you? No one, neither do I. But go and sin no more. So this is a moment of repentance. What, what, what this moment is about, last thing, is that you recognize that in the same way Jesus died for your sin, he also died for everyone else's sin, including the sin that was committed against you. So if you go to take communion today, you have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm coming to you because I need forgiveness. And Lord, I'm looking over here knowing that they need forgiveness. That's why he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. But even if they do know what they do, Jesus died for that sin. Some people think that you're belittling what they did, but there's no way to belittle what someone did by forgiving them because the basis of that forgiveness is the immeasurable price that Jesus paid. When you go to forgive someone, you have to realize that Jesus paid an incredible price for their forgiveness. So Pastor Dave is gonna come, Pastor Jake are gonna come. I'm going to read, and we'll take this together. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Pastor Dave is going to pray for the bread which symbolizes the body of Christ and then we'll take it together. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. We didn't deserve it, but you willingly offered yourself, oh God, so that we could be made right before you, oh God. We thank you for offering your body to be beaten, O oh God, Lord, to be stripped, O oh God, Lord, to be crucified. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you took the punishment that we deserved, O oh God. You took it upon yourself, and because of that, O oh God, now we can be forgiven, now we can be made whole, now our relationship with you can be made right. And I just thank you, O oh God, Lord, that the that the price has been paid, O oh God, Lord, that the penalty for our sin, O oh God, you took it upon yourself, O oh God. So, Lord, right now, we just thank you for your body that you offered up, oh God. And we thank you that now we can know you, oh God. Just as the Father had the relationship with Jesus the Son, so we can have a perfect relationship with you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's take the bread together. Hallelujah. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant or the new contract. I'm so thankful that Jesus wrote a new contract to set us free. In my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim or you celebrate 
the Lord's death until he comes. Pastor Jake is going to pray for the cup, and then we'll take it together, and then we're going to celebrate the goodness of our sacrificial lamb. Jesus, in this moment, we thank you that you're here. But God, we thank you that that, that blood was poured out for each and every one of us, oh yes, God. Lord. That blood was poured out from Calvary for each and every one of our sins, each and every one of our misgivings, each and every one of our wrongful deeds, oh God. And God, the same power that it had, Lord, when it, when it poured out on Calvary, Lord, we claim that today. Hallelujah. And we know that it washes every one of our sins and it makes us white as snow. So Jesus, we thank you that as we remember, oh God, all that you did on the cross and as we take this cup, oh God, Lord, you lift up the guilt from our sin, Hallelujah. you lift up the shame, oh God, and God, we can run in the path of your commands, for you have set our hearts free, Hallelujah. because Lord, you have lifted that guilt and that shame, oh God. So God, we take this in remembrance of you. Amen. Amen. Let's take the cup together. Hallelujah. Let's put the cup down. And could we begin to thank the sacrificial lamb today? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet and give him glory. Come on, we can do better than that. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you, Lord. Blessed be your name, oh God. Hallelujah. We're going to go out from this place singing worthy is the lamb, but I want to pray right now. I want to pray that the Lord would release us to testify to the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Thank you that your blood is working even now, oh God. Thank you that we have peace with Christ today, oh God. The peace of God is ours, oh God. And we walk in that peace. We rejoice in that peace today that you have purchased for us. And Father, as your people go from this place, Lord, I pray that everywhere they go, if they go to Starbucks, when they go to the gas station or Dunkin' Donuts or the mall, oh God, wherever they go, let them testify to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, oh God. Send us out for your glory. Hallelujah. And Lord, help us to walk in your peace and your joy. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen. Could we put our hands together one more time?